0: Hey everyone, this is Matt Kamen, your host of Nonprofit on the Rocks. I don't know, Ashley, why my voice goes up every time I say that, and the co-founder of Envision Consulting, which is a recruiting and strategy firm for nonprofits across the country, and as I've already mentioned, with us as always is Ashley Watterson, who does not help me with my intonation. How are you, Ashley?
1: Well, I'm doing just great, Matt. (laughs) i'm sorry i don't i don't know why my voice just does that naturally (laughs) do you feel better now that i came onto the show with that high voice i
0: mean i feel like your job 99 of the time is to make me feel better about myself
1: it is even if it means i have to make myself look like an ass in the process just to make you look like less of an ass
0: you've just opened this up which is your fault but like is that really something you have tried to do or is it just I don't know. Natural.
1: You got me. It's really just a cover.
0: I don't know why I always have to go up an octave when I talk about being the host of this show. I don't, I don't know why that happens.
1: I don't, I don't know either. We could dig into that. I'm sure there's a psychosomatic reason for it.
0: So this episode is with my friend Laurel Mintz from Elevate My Brand and it's all about marketing. And so I think what we've learned, Ashley, is that this show has been around now a year and like, you know, we're doing all right, but like, I don't feel like you were up truly on, on your game for the marketing over the last year. But I think I think we're turning it around now. Well,
1: to be fair, we cut out the part where you asked Laurel to grade you and she gave you what, like a D? D plus something?
0: I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. It's not in the show. I don't know what you're talking about.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I cut it out to save face because who needs that? But it's a good thing we didn't ask her what she would have graded me, given that I am responsible for the marketing of this show. And as you said, it's been a year and... You know, I've got a lot to learn, Matt, but that's okay. I can only go up.
0: You can go down. I mean, you can go down, let's be honest.
1: It's like my bucket of quarters. Like it, it it could go up, it could go down.
0: I'm gonna just say that the marketing conversation is great because Laurel has taught us some things and we want everybody out there to know we need you to go onto Apple Podcast and like our show and become a actual like subscriber. And what else do they need to do?
1: Subscribe to our show, like our show, become, follow us on social media, share our posts. We have really fun posts that I'm very proud of on our Instagram account.
0: I just want everybody to also know that Laurel, who's awesome. And if you listen to the show, you'll learn more about marketing and events and how you can better get your nonprofit out there. That's the whole reason why we're doing this. It's all about marketing right now, especially at the end of the year, when you're doing asks. you want people to give your end of the year donations. Well, listen to Laurel's advice on how you get out there. But the other thing is we've got big news. Laurel made a huge gift Mm. for all of you. What did she say, Ashley?
1: Laurel has made an extremely generous offer to our listeners that she will offer a free consultation. Did I mention free to any of our listeners who contact Elevate My Brand in search of advice? And I think once you hear just how amazing Laurel is and what an expert she is in branding and marketing, you'd be a fool not to jump on that offer.
0: Wow, already talking shit about our listeners too, calling them fools. I mean,
1: <laughs> no, 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 no. I said they're fools if they don't mm-hmm. take the offer.
0: Mm-hmm. But you're right. You, you know, you have like three listeners out there and you're like already just pissing them off. So sorry, it- mom. This is the end of the year in terms of trying to bring in dollars. And I know in the Matt Splane segment today in the show, we will be asked a question about fundraising and end of the year giving. So this is the perfect time to be listening to this episode. Also, that Laurel, who is spectacular, gives some really great advice in marketing. And Ashley, really important. This is our first consultant that we've interviewed on the show.
1: Yep. She is your first, maybe not your last. But definitely, what did you call her? Your first non-nonprofit leader, though she certainly has done a lot of work with nonprofits.
0: So on that, I want everybody to listen, enjoy, like, check out our marketing, look at your own marketing. Rate Ashley, just rate Ashley, if we think that she's doing a good job. Like go to nonprofit underscore on underscore the underscore rocks and just like a post, just like a post. She needs it. That's
1: all I want for Christmas, people. We know anything else I might get is going to be stuck in the port of Los Angeles until July. So this is something you can give me and it's a gift that keeps on giving.
0: It is a gift that keeps on giving. Hello, my friend Laurel Mintz. How are you doing today?
2: I am so great. How are you?
0: You know, it's funny. I need to tell everybody what's going on because people don't know us yet, but you're so mad at me right now. And I feel like everybody <laughs> needs to know that. And I'm going to let them. Well, why don't you let them know why you're so mad at me?
2: Uh, I'm, I'm always a little mad at you because we fight about fashion and everything else. But I was not told that this was audio only. And so I put a full fucking face of makeup on. Am I allowed to curse on the podcast?
0: Of course. We're explicit. Cool. We, have, we have the E in our name.
2: <laughs> that's true well you are e so you know division consulting makes sense so i put a full face of makeup on a bra jewelry like all the things hair products, and i get on the call and that's like no it's audio only i was like are you freaking kidding me
0: i have a question for you laurel you're the marketing person isn't a podcast just that it's just audio it's not video
2: it's a great question. My podcast is audio only. However, what uh, brands have been doing is multitasking their content. So they've been pulling in the video format with their audio so that they can have it play on multiple formats, meaning they'll have it be on their podcast plan- platform or channel like the Apple podcast or whatever. But then they'll also put it live on their like YouTube channel or they'll do an actual live while they're um, recording the audio piece. So it's actually really smart to multitask your content in that way. I'm just too, I just don't like putting makeup on enough.
0: (laughs) So what I'm going to tell you is maybe we might air this. Maybe we might do the video. So you're going to put
2: my bra back on.
0: I mean, I feel like. (laughs) Let the ladies out. Let the ladies out. It's fine.
2: (laughs) Do the listeners know that you're one of my actual favorite people in the whole wide world and that you live like three blocks from me and that we hang out all the time?
0: No, but I feel like they need to hear that one more time.
2: You're my absolute favorite person. One of my absolute favorite people in the entire world. I adore the you know what out of you. I mean, you really are. You're you're me as a male. I feel
0: that makes me so happy because I want everybody to know, and this is really important, world. This is how much I adore you. That this is the nonprofit on the rocks uh, podcast. Normally, with people who are at nonprofits, running nonprofits, working at nonprofits, you're not. You've got your own for-profit company working with nonprofits. So know that you're it, you have broken me in to not having nonprofit <laughs> people. So I want you to know that.
2: But I do so much work in that space. I mean, I am definitely a service provider in that space and I do a lot of nonprofit work myself. Like I sit on a ton of boards, as you know, like I do a lot. It's really important to me to have that give back factor personally and with my company. So I feel like I'm ancillary,
0: right? You are, you are. So I do want everybody to know, by the way, you have a very successful podcast that I'm trying to learn from. I was on it. So how many, how many downloads do you get per podcast?
2: Um, We get about 3000 downloads a month. So I don't know what that means per podcast. Every podcast is a little bit different. Mostly our, our consumer package, good brands, those produce a little bit higher downloads, I think, because those brands are more inclined to share. Um, more of the tech brands and, and uh,
0: businesses, like more service businesses, they don't get as many downloads. But
2: we get three about three thousand downloads about a month, so it's not bad.
0: That's a big deal because you have a lot yeah. of three thousand, or you don't have three thousand family members who are listening to it. So you've. I, mean, I do have a big Jewish family, so I might. You never know. You know that I think my dad's the only person in my family who listens to me. I don't think anybody else does. Even Philip is like, oh,
2: none of my family. I don't think Mike's ever listened to a single podcast that he hasn't like just been listening in to as I was recording it here.
0: Yeah. But do you want your husband to listen to it? Because we both know what he would do is he'd tell you all the things you could do better and you don't want to listen to that. That's true. Right. You're right. You're totally right. I take it
2: back. Take it back. Mike, don't listen. Yeah.
0: Tell everybody what's the name of your podcast.
2: It's called Elevate Your Brand because our agency is called Elevate My Brand, and this podcast is really about how we can support um, startup brands all the way up to global brands like the you know, the Facebooks and the Googles of the world, but we really love that kind of middle market CPG space. We have a lot of nonprofits that come on and service-based businesses as well, so we, it's really just who I'm interested in talking
0: to, to be honest they so like, what was like, what's one of like the coolest businesses that you had on there that talked about, and I know that's unfair because I'm sure like a lot of them were really great, but mm-hmm. like, what's one of the coolest ones that you really enjoyed that you got something out of?
2: Oh my gosh. I mean, there's so many different categories of cool. Like my team has really been pushing me to use the podcast as a platform for good. And so we've been able to cover a lot of like, um, female led brands and brands that, um, talk about really uncomfortable conversations like your period like um, you know the vagina like cool. things like that I know i'm saying vagina on your podcast and probably the first one right twice okay. I said it twice now so they actually um they actually push me to do more episodes like that and those are the ones that get a lot of traction and interest because I think people women in particular are tired of having these be taboo topics and so I think that that's been really interesting and fun to see. And then the other ones are like the really cool tech brands. Like we had a guy on list checkouts. So like no person, like you just go through, you have like a chip or something's downloaded on your phone. You go through a store, you pick up what you want and you walk out, it's like basically what Amazon's grocery stores are doing now. But he's doing this for retail across the board. And I was like, that's amazing. I don't have to talk to a human, awesome. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, that that's was cool. really cool. And Great. that's me
0: nerding out. <laughs> I love that, I absolutely love it, okay. So I'm going to back up a little bit and be a better host. I, and I know at the end of this, you're going to grade me too. And I know it's not going to be nearly as good as yours, but I'm learning. I'm learning as we go along, Laurel. I am not our husbands. I don't give you negative feedback. I want to tell people how we met and all that good stuff. Before we do, talk a little bit about your business. So you are the founder, the owner. I don't even know what the terms are anymore. of elevate, elevate my brand. So tell you us. Can you just know.
2: call me HBIC. You know what that means? Don't. <laughs> Head bitch in charge
0: all right. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your company.
2: Um, thank you. Yeah. I'm the CEO and founder of Elevate My Brand. It's a digital and experiential marketing agency. And so when you think digital, think webs, uh, websites, content, social, advertising, creative, all those really fun digital realms. And then we do full experiential also. So think launch events, trade shows, conferences, huge national field marketing efforts, um, and we do that for, we've done that for over 250 brands in the last almost 13 years. Isn't that mess? Wow. I wow. know. 59. But luckily, I went to your dad as a doctor and said, I don't look it. That's how connected we are, people. My, my dad was my plastic surgeon.
0: I will say, you know, people have heard me talk about Botox a lot and uh-huh. uh, they know, they know. So you and I have both seen my dad and gotten some work done on our faces. I'm going to bring us back. This is a good, a good host, right? It's bringing us back. So- You've you've you've, learned. Thank you, thank you. You haven't (laughs) been able to do any of those events. You haven't been able to go speak at any of those events. So like, what have you, what are we doing? What's happening?
2: This is why I've been drinking so heavily now um, (laughs) with you. Um, So we pivoted, we created a digital experiential event um, offering and we literally called it DEEP packages. So digital experiential event packages, DEEP, D-E-E-P. So that our clients could have that same kind of very high touch experience. And they were very plug and play, like small, medium, and large. This is what this costs, this is what this costs, this is what this one costs. And um, that was really great for us because we couldn't do uh, live event, event production. And then honestly, in terms of the speaking stuff, I've been doing more speaking than I've ever been doing before. Um, because I don't have the commute and because I can do four in a day if I, if I have the availability, um, I've been doing way, way more. And people are so excited about content partnerships and strategic partnerships and media partnerships. And the first six months of the pandemic, I did over 90 interviews. Oh, I know, horrible. It's nuts. It's nuts. But it was great for the brand. You know, we our traffic increased on site, our social following increased. It was great for me personally. Um, so I can't complain. We just pivoted, which I hate that word. I feel like it's the most overused
0: word of this season. I feel like leaning in is also one of those expressions. I'm like tired of listening. Uh, to. Yeah. Yeah. And pivoting. But yeah. okay. So I actually here's my question from podcast host to podcast host. Host? Yeah. Host like Are you host, host to host? host. Hostess Most with of. the mostest. Hostess with the mostest. I'll be that too. I'm happy to be that. You too. are.
2: You are the hostess with the
0: mostest. It's gay pride. It's gay pride. It's gay, it's gay pride. pride.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, uh, are we supposed to timestamp ourselves? Like, is it okay for me to be like, "Hey, California just opened up today"? Like, that's time stamp, that's timestamping. I don't timestamp.
2: Yeah, I definitely don't do that. Cause I shoot a ton of episodes, um, but pre-shoot as you do. And so if I've got too many things in the can and I, um, roll them out later, I don't want them to be non-relevant. It's about your audience, not about you. Like ultimately I'd love to have a really honest, transparent, complete conversation that includes what we're doing in this time and the day and age. But if it's something like California reopening or some laws changing that, you know, matter, I don't think timestamping is a good, uh, mm-hmm. um, best practice for podcasting. Well, I've failed, so.
0: (laughs) So, Well, Pride is a whole
2: month, although this will definitely be coming out post-Pride.
0: This is totally. Pride
2: should be year-long. That's the takeaway. Pride should be year-long. Right?
0: I feel like the gays gays should be celebrated every day. Every day. I do. I celebrate you every day, Matt. I really do.
2: Thank you. I really do. See, this is what that's what you call media spin, right? You took something that was like, oh shit, and you made it into something that was really wonderful and everyone should be talking about and doing.
0: (laughs) Thank you. I'm learning. I'm learning. But so, so here's my question. I realize that I'm time stamping, and that's okay. It's fine. Um, And we talked about this, so like, so everybody knows, I do have five episodes that are already done that are ready to go. So Laurel's going to be going a few months after this. but That's okay. I don't think that matters from this conversation. But now you're just confusing people. You're like, I don't know what date you actually recorded this
2: on. So now I have no idea what you're talking about.
0: (laughs) I know. I know. That's that's why I went back to being (laughs) not not a great host. But my question is, as we are going back, and we are going back, How's that going to affect what you're doing? Are you going to go back to those big events? Are you going to continue to do as many as you did? Are you going to do a hybrid? You know, like, what are you thinking is going to be the case?
2: So we've been seeing a lot of RFPs come through for big events
0: and we've bid
2: on them. We've won a couple, we have lost a couple and every single one of them has pushed every single one. So my sense is that brands are like, very excited about the opportunity to have all of that earned media by being one of the first in time, but they're not willing to take on the responsibility and a potential liability of actually being the first in time. So I am just kind of sitting here waiting for things to truly reopen in that capacity, because I don't see that happening until Q4 or top of Q1 2022. That's that's kind of my
0: my projection. So once it does, and we do go back to those events, aren't Mm -hmm. aren't we all going to miss this a little bit? Like not driving, not commuting, not flying. I mean, aren't we all going to kind of miss it a little bit? Is there anything we can do to stop it?
2: Yeah, I think that that's our jobs as leaders, you know, like we, so I have surveyed my team. Nobody really wants to go back full time to the office. I still think there's something to be said for that collective energy of an entire team being together. So what I'm probably going to do is um, require a three-day in office and that's it. And everyone has to be there on two of those three days together, right? So you can pick either Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever you'd like to do. I don't know. We're going to figure out some sort of hybrid model there because I, I don't even want to do it. You know, that's the truth of it. I love being able to roll calls and fold my laundry or roll calls and, uh, you know, make a fabulous dinner. You know, that's that brings me a lot a lot more joy than sitting
0: in the fucking car. <laughs> no, I agree. And that's the thing that makes me so sad is that I'm seeing it go back. And yeah part of what I did want to talk to you in all seriousness about is the events that you do for nonprofits, right? And the marketing that you do for nonprofits. But Mm -hmm. let's back up for one second. I want you to tell everybody how you and I met, because it's my favorite story of all time.
2: Yes. Um, So Matt and I were introduced by a woman who was in the insurance industry, I want to say, right? And we met at Jones on 3rd in Studio City,
0: which is like a salad sandwichy place in LA.
2: And I think you were the one that said I wanted the, you wanted the um, tuna salad, right?
0: No, no. I thought we were friends. I really thought we were friends. Chinese
2: chicken salad. Sorry. So you wanted a Chinese chicken salad and so did I. And the barista or whatever said that this was like the biggest salad we would ever see in our lives. And so we decided to share it. And so we both ate out of the same trough and we've been in love ever since.
0: And and I, I don't do that for anybody. I mean, we shared like germs <laughs> together and I had just met you. Well,
2: wow, you? you did an up, up and down. And you're like, oh, she's cool. I think, I think you get a vibe. You know, we instantly fell in love. I mean, that was the truth of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I could do the love fest all day long, but I did want people to know that Laurel and I, when we met, shared a huge Chinese chicken salad trust <laughs> together <laughs> Love ever since. And it's also important for them
2: to know that um, real love is possible even through business.
0: Real love is you possible. Know? Okay, I want to talk a little bit before we get into events. I want to talk a little bit about marketing for nonprofits. So, as a whole, as an industry, how are we doing? What grade would you give us? I mean, you know the answer to this. It's, it's kind
2: of like, I mean, I think it's gotten a little bit better, especially during COVID because all these nonprofits were like, oh shit, we don't have our big fundraising galas. We need to figure out another path forward. Oh, that's digital, which is what we've been telling them for a friggin' decade. They finally have gotten on the bandwagon. So, I think. Prior to COVID, it was probably like a D. Now during COVID, it's probably like a C, C plus.
0: What would get us to an A?
2: Understanding and having a digital budget. I can't tell you how many nonprofits post the same shit on every single social channel, don't have a conversion tool on their website, don't understand why their numbers aren't growing on social channels, and have zero understanding of how to define, let alone allocate, a real marketing budget. They think that marketing and social is like a game. And it might have been early days and one that you could game and win, but it's not that way anymore. It's a pay to play environment. And anyone who doesn't have a consistent spending budget in mind is going to lose period full stop.
0: So I, I can tell that you obviously have no thoughts about this at all. <laughs> um, but like, it's not know. just
2: nonprofits. Let's be fair. It's not just nonprofits.
0: No, I know. But is it, if I'm, so let's say I'm running a homeless shelter, right? Mm-hmm. And I want to figure out like a budget for marketing for digital socials all that good stuff um are we talking mailings too or are we just talking like online stuff what are we talking about
2: uh we can we talk about a holistic budget because you need to understand what you're gonna what you're gonna do i would say start with digital if you have a smaller spend because the, the out of home stuff the hard mail stuff is a lot more costly so start with understanding your digital footprint because on digital you can test and iterate through your messaging your positioning and your targeting and your creative so you can get to a place of really understanding what delivers and then you can take those lessons and it should be a scientific approach and use that copy creative targeting etc in and out of home or a direct mail campaign and that way you'll be more successful.
0: So I know that there are people listening who are like I have no idea what you just said, like I have no <laughs> idea right, so like. I want, if you would be so kind, I know people pay you for this, but if again, I'm running a homeless shelter, can Mm -hmm. you walk me through what it is that you just said in like a real example?
2: Well, I'll do you one better. I'll give you the, um, the formula to figuring out your marketing. How about that? Or your marketing budget, I should say. So we call this marketing math 101. And it goes like this. So for a, an established brand, one that feels that they have taken up as much market share in their category, which is pretty much nobody in nonprofit, right? The number that they should be spending on marketing services holistically is between six and 12%. For most brands who do not have a foothold in their market or, or, or who are looking to grow into a new space, grow their audience, grow their viewership, grow their donor base, you know, whatever, that number more than doubles to 12%, to 25 plus percent. Now this is very different for nonprofit as it is for for profit, but even if you get to the 10% number which would be on the super low end, I would be shocked to hear any of the nonprofits you work for have a 10% marketing budget. That would make me so incredibly happy. Most of them have like a 4% or a 6% marketing budget. And this is of um this is a gross, not net. So I want to reiterate that.
0: Okay. So if I have a million dollar budget, then you want me to be spending a hundred thousand dollars on marketing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I just, by the way, every single nonprofit executive just fell on the floor. Like everyone, I know. we lost I know. everyone world just now. So, okay. So I have a hundred thousand dollars in my budget. Give me like, give me the most expensive thing that I'm going to spend money on. Like what is like, you know,
2: well, first of all, I just want to say, Spend what you ever you're comfortable with. So don't use that as a this is the be all end all. This is what will grow you to that end goal the fastest. This is the math. This is the formula that we know works. If you have only four percent, challenge I challenge you to bump it to six percent. If you have six percent, I challenge you to bump it to eight percent, and so on and so forth. So don't take this as you know this lady's crazy. She doesn't understand my business. She doesn't know what the heck she's talking about. Nonprofits don't work like that. I get it, Um, but then you can't have the expectation that you're going to have exponential growth in your marketing.
0: So when I'm thinking about marketing as a nonprofit, like some of the things that I've done when I ran when I ran nonprofits, we took out like an ad on a bunch, on a bus bench, we took out an ad on the freeway because we also were taking it, it wasn't just for donors, it was also for homeless people out there who could be looking at what, what, what we were there, right? Um, so if, you're,
2: if it's for homeless, that's a different target audience and they aren't going to have access to digital access to web access to all those things so i get it for that my question to you was how did you know that that was the message that was going to work
0: i didn't and that's the thing right like exactly
2: so that's the beauty of digital is that and so when i define these really big budgets we never ever spend that full budget in the first month two months three months like if you i would call it a ten thousand dollar a month budget just for you know ease of numbers you should never be spending that full 10K upfront. You're usually only starting to spend that full budget in month, maybe three or four. Because I think that this is what, what scares most businesses and especially nonprofits is they're like, I have to define this budget and then I have to spend every dime of it. Well, there's a process to really understanding which channels work best for you. And so you have to understand there's a, there's a 60 to 90 day testing phase. And that testing phase, you're only spending a few hundred dollars within each channel to, to test against a hypothesis that you've defined for that channel. So there's a really important scientific process that we follow when defining what's working for um, the marketing for a nonprofit.
0: Okay, so here's my question. So marketing ultimately is to do what? Like, is it to bring in more donors? Is it to bring in awareness? Is it to get more clients? What, is it all of the above? You know, what's, what's the end all like point of doing all the marketing?
2: Well, marketing is the funnel to sales. And I think that most people, most brands don't understand that marketing is the relationship piece where sales is the transactional piece, right? You Reach out to me, you're a nonprofit, you want me to donate. The actual donation piece is the transactional piece. But there is a whole slew of relationship building pieces that have to happen before that transaction ever happens. Usually, this is less uh, important and less necessary, although still necessary with lower price point items, right? Like if you're you can a pack of gum at checkout you don't need to have 80,000 marketing touch points to make that happen but if you're trying to build a new relationship with a serious donor that you want to last the test of time with your mark with your nonprofit, you've got to build a really smart healthy um two-way street conversation with that person on so many different levels so that's what marketing is
0: and it's an ongoing it's an ongoing process once you start yes, yeah, for sure uh-oh i hear that music I think it's that time again for Metsplain Across America. Ashley, team me up.
1: This question is from Sarah in Ohio. Coming out of COVID, is it appropriate to do an end of the year appeal?
0: So it's a really good question from our friend Sarah in Ohio. And I would say, even though we're coming out of COVID, hopefully, even though things are getting better, I absolutely think we need to do an end of the year appeal. It's more important than ever that people know about nonprofits, care about charity, care about giving back, more important than ever because of everything we've just gone through and how much nonprofits stepped up during the last year and a half to take care of us. So yes, a thousand percent, every nonprofit out there should get out there, should listen to Laurel in this episode, should go out and market themselves, and yes, should totally do an end of the year appeal whether it's $5, whether it's $1,000, we can all write a check. We need to continue to give back, especially now.
1: Thank you, Matt. So much gold advice in this episode between you and Laurel. And speaking of Laurel, now back to your interview with Laurel Mintz, founder and CEO of Elevate My Brand.
0: I know that you have your own company that people pay to, you know, as a consultant basically to bring this in. If I'm a, if I'm a nonprofit, I'm not asking you to like, you know, lose business, but when would I hire you versus when would I actually hire a director of marketing for my company?
2: That's a great question. Um, so usually the most successful campaigns with us occur when there's at least one or two people in-house already at a firm. Um, I don't care if that's a low level person, if it's an intern or something like that, but there usually needs to be someone internally who is helping manage the calendars and the marketing events and the, um, the, the imagery that has to come from the client themselves, right? There's a lot of assets and creative and all, a lot of stuff that has to happen to make marketing work properly. You're going to spend a lot more money on having an agency do all those pieces than you would to have a, even just one person as a, as a um, account management level be in there helping just move the pieces around. So that would that would be my suggestion either have an intern or a um, low-level marketing person inside before you hire an agency. Because what's going to happen is once you hire an agency, they're going to be requesting a ton of things for you. And you're going to be like, oh my God, this is like a fully second job. I thought I hired you to make my life easier. And you did. But marketing is very front loaded in terms of to, to build out all these channels and to test on all these channels and to collect all the creative assets and, and so on and so forth. So um, be prepared for that when you're marketing. It's it's a long game. We tell our clients it takes about 18 months to get to the most solid place where you really truly understand your spend, your uh, budget and allocation and the, the strength of each channel for your, for your brand. So
0: it takes time, like anything mm-hmm. good in life. You know, every fundraiser out there just also fell on the ground because they were like, but I need that budget for the development department, for the development department, not the marketing department. So- They should play hand in hand. They really don't play as nicely together as they should. And why is that? Because I can tell you that, that marketing people and fundraising people don't play don't play well. Why is that? Because most companies, and this
2: is not specific to nonprofits, I mean, we're doing massive projects with some of the biggest brands in the world, and we see this across almost every single company, which is that teams are siloed. And when they're siloed, they're very protective over their scopes, they're very protected over their budgets and their calendars. And then it's like a me versus you, even if we're working under the same roof. Whereas when you have a holistic marketing conversation that includes development and marketing and, you know fundraising and all of the elements that ultimately are the reason you're marketing, you're going to have a much more successful campaign overall and more buy-in from the team, which has to happen, uh, you know, for this to be successful.
0: Yeah. I I want anybody who's listening to this who is in fundraising or in marketing, you guys need to play nice. Like it doesn't happen. They don't do it. I know that we all know it, but just like you said, it's, it can only benefit each other. And I also think that truly nonprofits don't, they do not put the the budget together and they don't allocate enough funds for marketing. And so here's my question. Should I, as a nonprofit, spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on a gala? Is it worth the investment?
2: I think that's a very loaded question. I think there are a lot of nonprofits that do galas extremely well and are very specific and goal-oriented and work on their strategic partnerships and have media partners and really leverage those events to what they're supposed to do, which is, it, it is actually an omni-channel marketing experience. You should be using the before, during and after opportunities throughout the, I would say 12 months of leading up to that event, right? There's so much opportunity there, but what happens is most nonprofits, they promote for a few months prior, then it's the event and then everything dies off. And they don't have media at those events. They don't have a lot of strategic partnerships. Uh, They don't take enough creative assets from those events and they don't use them properly across the right channels consistently. Um, They don't get the kind of content. Like those galas are amazing opportunities to have a video crew on site in the corner with a beautiful branded backdrop to do interviews about why each and every person or as many people as you can that are in attendance at that event are in support of that nonprofit. How amazing is that? And it takes what, 10 minutes from each person, five minutes from each person and hiring a videographer team for one night and then editing. That's like what we call shoot a palooza. That's some of the secret sauce that we do with our clients to make sure that their events are really valuable.
0: You've definitely just given a lot away for free. And I- I, I have, have, I know. So I'm a, I'm a small nonprofit. I'm a $100,000 nonprofit. I'm putting on an event. Maybe I'm making $8,000, right? How, what you just said, and I'm thinking is like this huge event. So a small $8,000 event, which is all I can do. How can I do everything that you just said and make it, you know, for this small, tiny
2: event? Um, I think it's important to build partnerships for smaller events. Um, There are always new brands out there that are looking to touch the same audience that you have, which most events uh, for nonprofits are affluent people, right? They're there to fundraise or they're attendees who have been in benefit of the nonprofit. So think about strategically, what are the brands that you think that that audience would be attracted to in all different categories, car categories, jewelry, makeup, um, clothing, food and beverage, you know, really break it down. And there's always someone new. I mean, the world is a huge, huge place. There's a million brands launching every single day who would love to have that same audience um, conversation. So figure out your cross-marketing strategic partnership um, alliances first. And then you can still do some of that shoot-a-palooza stuff. Just get a, 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 an iPhone stand and a ring light and have an intern post it. And put a lot, like get a lav mic, pin it on the person so your audio is good. I mean, that's the beauty about the technology that we have is that you can do this super high budge or you can do it super low budge and and just shoot all that uh, content and then hire someone on fiverr.com to edit it for you, give you a lower third of an intro and an outro and away you go.
0: Wow, wow. Look, I've been in a nonprofit before, right? So here's kind of when I think about an event, this is what I think of. I'm freaking out. I got to figure out where to do it. I have to get my honorees and I have to get my board to buy a table. Then I have to get an event committee. Then I gotta like sell tickets and get people there. I don't even have time for any of this other stuff, right? Like I just don't have the time and I certainly don't have the budget and I have one person in development. Maybe, maybe I have a marketing person, probably not. You know, we're so stressed and there's so much to do just to get people to those fucking events. And I hate galas so much. Give me like a, like a quick HEP talk. I'm an executive director, I'm exhausted. I'm not making a lot of money, I'm not sleeping.
2: Oh, I was gonna say, you should have done this 12 months ago. That's what my that's what my first comment would be, <laughs> is like, if you really are that stretched thin as a nonprofit with a small team, that's when you should start your event 12 months out, 14 months out, 16 months out. If you really feel like you're not gonna have the support and effort um, or budget, time is your best friend, but that's not what you were asking. I'll do the share slaps, right? Snap <laughs> out of it. Um, I would say, look, you have to stop thinking about yourself. The reason that you're here and the reason that you've done all this hard work is to be able to support the community that you have chosen to serve. And without you doing this in this moment, even having this stressed out freak out, um, you're here for a reason and you've chosen to do this. So you can choose to flip out about it, or you can just have a drink, calm your nerves and push forward and just take one baby step at a time. You can either approach this from a flip out perspective where you can try and have a little bit of, um, intention behind it. And I think the intention comes from being very present in the moment, not worrying about what's going to happen at the event or what's going to happen tomorrow. The event's never going to be perfect. No event ever is. So get that out of your head, but you can do this. And everyone here loves you, supports you and believes in what you're doing for this amazing community that you're serving. So go out there and be fabulous.
0: Yes. Okay, so here's my favorite. Just like you said, every event, no event's going to be perfect and every event's going to have like some fire. Something's going to go down that you weren't expecting that was like, holy shit, You just got to deal with it, right? So I call that the Christmas moment, the Christmas tree moment. I did an event for a very Jewish, very Jewish nonprofit, right? And it was in New York and we had found the venue and it was amazing and it was beautiful. We did the walkthrough. We asked all the questions that we were supposed to ask, right? And uh, then it was around, it was around like Christmas time. We show up, there's an enormous, the biggest Christmas tree you were ever been <laughs> was, was it at surprised. least
2: blue and white?
0: It was definitely not blue and white. Oh. And it was like the first thing that we saw that you saw entering this facility, right? The first thing, which is why I call it my Christmas tree moment. And there was nothing we could have done about it. It was just the way it was. By the way, that's where the pictures were taken for the event. And it was like this Jewish fundraiser. Here we were, this huge Christmas tree. And it just was what it was. So like, that's my Christmas What's the moment. fix? what's your christmas tree moment
2: when something went wrong oh god okay i have a great one i have so many i mean i have so freaking many because i've had to do big events with huge celebrities that had the most ridiculous writers and you were like i have to get this bottle this specific bottle with this specific brand and you have someone run out for you know three hours to find it and then the event happens and they go home and the bottle's still there and you're like this Hmm. Um, that's not my Christmas tree moment. My Christmas tree moment, we were doing an event series for Tamara Mellon. You know, the Tamara Mellon shoe brand. Not. So she was Jimmy Choo's co-founder and she started her own line four or five years ago at this point. And they hired us because they partnered with Create and Cultivate, which is this huge national organization that focuses on very much on millennial women and empowerment and all this really cool stuff. And they were like 90 days out from this event and they hired us because they had signed on and it was a big investment and they had not ideated, fabricated or understood what they were gonna do in execution for this event. And it was a big one. And so they hired us, we came up with this beautiful concept. We built it out. It was like, it was really so impressive that we got done what we got done and the timing we got done it done in. And the Miami show, I think it was Miami. It was either New York or Miami. Uh, the truck broke down with all of the build-out materials the night before. And for those of you who are in events, you know you have a specific load-in, load-out time. They are not flexible, and you have to pay through the nose if you're messing with those numbers at all. Um, and so that truck broke down. They finally got there. They, they were so gracious, and they extended the hours that we were able to load in. And then the building caught on fire, mm. and everyone had to vacate. <laughs> and so our team was there till, I want to say, 4 in the morning, um just getting it done and and when the doors opened the entire you know marketing team was there like polishing everything and making sure everything was in in its place and it was I wasn't physically there so I don't have the trauma of that but I was sure on the phone figuring out how to get a new truck to move all this shit back over to the location and then roll everything up I mean it was yeah I mean I could talk about it forever it was a nightmare
0: that is a true Christmas
2: (sighs) I know I've had so many it's not even
0: funny so because every nonprofit who is going to do an event is going to have a Christmas tree moment, how do you how do you deal with it? You're you've stressed out to come to this event and then something goes wrong and you just kind of want to like throw yourself off a train. Okay, what yeah. do you do? Just roll with it.
2: Uh, yeah, it's when you start drinking usually. Um, so for sure, start there. Um, and then you can think of like it depends on how quick you how how much time you have before the actual event launch, right? So for me, with like your moment, what I would have done probably would have been to grab the AV team and see if we can at least blue light it, right? Blue white light it so that it looked at least on brand or whatever the the colors of the um, nonprofit were. I would try and like light that up or most of those AV teams, and if you have a video like a full production team on, they always are going to have, you know, uh, C-stands and, and clips. So you could have put a backdrop and then projected a gobo onto it and like covered the tree if you wanted to in that in- entrance moment. Or you could have gone the other way and you could have done something really funny, like put like a tiny little sign that everyone had to walk up to and said, said something really clever, like, yes, we know, thanks for coming anyways, you know? something clever and funny that was like, a, uh, yeah, we get it. We uh, had clearly no control. We're going to laugh at it and you should too.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, we did because that's where everybody took their pictures. So, okay. So and It's a
2: great story to this day.
0: Christmas tree moment. So any time that you're doing an event and something goes wrong, give Laurel a call and she'll come up with like
2: tequila
0: and the lighting. I cannot believe it, that there was a fire. That's, that's too much. That's just like to the the truck and the fire. That's too much.
2: Oh, don't so, even get me started on the clients that had sword swallowers and snake charmers. Oh, and I've definitely had to source a baby tiger more than once.
0: Wow. Yeah. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of tiger team for a minute, she totally killed her husband, right? She totally killed her husband. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah,
2: I heard her on a uh, on a um, podcast the other day, and she just that's one that's one crazy lady. Oh, no, it was a clubhouse. We were at a clubhouse room, and she was live. It was very entertaining.
0: You know, I have Clubhouse on my phone, but, like, I've never once gone on it. Is it worth my time? Oh,
2: that's such a loaded question. I really don't want it to be, um, but they're starting to figure out their monetization strategy. People have created these big owned audiences. I know people have monetized off of it, so I do think there's some value there. Again, like every other social channel, we have to see what what um you know happens to it uh or it could die tomorrow i mean it could be a pandemic you know blow up and then blow out who knows
0: so when it comes to marketing what do you think is like the best the best platform for nonprofits to really and if if they don't have four percent or whatever it is what's the platform they should be really focusing on
2: honestly the platform that most um brands in general are not using enough is youtube it is the second largest search engine in the world. People don't think about it like that. And so they keep creating this flat uh, content. Um, and when we do our, our comparative analyses, because we have these really crazy um, licensed software programs that we run all of our brands through and we do comparatives and never, almost never, is there a brand that's strong on YouTube. And it's such a great engine. I think that that's a huge missed opportunity for almost every brand we talk to.
0: Wow. I will tell you, I will tell you, and actually. Ashley- who is our producer, is going to be really excited. She's done some YouTube videos for this podcast. So if you like,
2: Ashley. Ashley gets a gold star.
0: I mean, let's not get too excited. She's not that great. She's not. Her oh, job is I'm very- sure is.
2: Ashley, you can come work with me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you don't know what you're asking for. You don't know. Uh-oh. Okay. So I just want to like put a bow on the event conversation. So as, again, we're coming out of COVID and events are starting to happen again. Do you think that we should go back to having those- rubber chicken galas and all those things, or can we actually get something out of COVID where we're not going back to the same old events?
2: I freaking hope so. I mean, that's like, if you come to us for an event, we're always gonna do a shock and awe moment. Like we're always gonna do something that's like wild and out there because those are the events that last the test of time. Those are the ones that have longevity on social. Those are the ones that people talk about. And ultimately that's what a great event should do. It should inspire and empower and it should light you up as a human being because you're around other people in support of an organization or brand. Um, so I think, but I think most nonprofits act out of fear, right? They're so scared to be different that they end up doing the same old shit and that's the rubber chicken dinner. So I, um, I really hope not, but I fear that like many things, we are going to return to what was pre
0: pre pandemic. I hope not. I really hope not. So what was like one of your most favorite, uh, fundraising events that you went to for a nonprofit that you attended?
2: um so I think I introduced someone to you a little while back that hosted this amazing event they do it every year and it's a it's a comedy driven event and Mike is obsessed with comedy as you know and so they had a fabulous auction which I love a good auction like if I can get something um you know that's unique and different and maybe even get a little bit of a deal on it I'm all in um so it had fabulous auction it was at the Wilshire Ebell, which I think is a very very unique space and um and the comedy, I mean, the comedy was like everything. That was so fun. You really just felt like you were at a show, not at a fundraising event. And of course the food was phenomenal. And that's a big part of it too. Like, I don't understand. Why don't you throw events, nonprofits that are like the ones that you would want to go to? Like, if you look at something and you're like, it's okay, don't do it. Like if you taste something and it's not so delicious, you can't stand it. Don't do it. There's so many amazing caterers and chefs that can can do beautiful things. So I'm Ugh, it makes me mad to think about those old rubber chicken dinners and what a waste of money and time they are for so many people.
0: And those poor chickens that died for nothing. <laughs> Matt,
2: That uh, was my favorite that, moment. I love that. And those poor chickens.
0: Those poor, poor, poor chickens. What was <laughs> your favorite event that you produced for a nonprofit? Which is, okay, let me not say that because that's not fair to your other clients. One of like, uh, like give me an example of one that you thought was a fantastic event. How's that?
2: Mm, I mean, I am a perfectionist, so I never think my events are great. Um, I really am hard on myself, which is exactly what a producer should be like. They should always want to strive to be better for you, right? Um, we did an event for Methodist Hospital for multiple years in a row, and they're a pretty huge nonprofit. It's like a thousand-person gala, and if anyone's ever had to set booklets at a thousand-person gala, it is—it's way bigger than you think, and it is a lot to manage. So the event was um, for Methodist Hospital and was their big thousand person gala and Kenny Loggins was the guest and they kept, this was our second or third year doing it with them. And they really, really trusted us at that point. And because they trusted us, they let us do um, some more interesting things with their budget. Uh, And one of the things that we did was this incredible video mapping segment. And this was like right early days when video mapping was like still relatively new. And I still don't think enough galas use them we mapped the entire inside of the um, Pasadena Convention Center, which is a huge space. And so guests walked in and it was like a starry night of moving sky. And then throughout the evening, there was, I think there was a thousand LED screens and throughout the evening, the backgrounds would change. And there was like, when it was getting, we were getting ready to have this first speaker with a a water fountain came on. And it was like this beautiful visual moment that made everyone's head turn and then the person walked out. And and then, um, I mean, the whole evening was just like goosebumps of visual, Deliciousness. I mean, it was just so amazing. To me, that was a, a pretty powerful moment and one that I'm very
0: proud of. That sounds really cool. I really want to do a great event as a nonprofit. What should I think of as a budget? Depends on the number of people. Like, to give me a number.
2: I, I can't tell you that. You're usually looking at at least 100 bucks a head minimum.
0: Bucks ahead Okay, that's fair. I mean, I've put on a lot of events in my life, a ton of events in my life, and I've done a lot of galas. And I agree with you, galas are. Ugh. But one yeah. of my favorite things that I did at, at, at one of the organizations was we had everybody who bought a table, they had to decorate their own table. And then we had a contest. So, you know, the theme for the first year was like uh, old Hollywood. And so everybody had to decorate their, their table in some kind of old Hollywood movie or whatever. And then they all got to judge every other table. And did then, you provide all the things? Nope. If you, you as a guest had to, you did it.
2: Had to bring it to the gallery, wow.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And people got (laughs) serious by the way about this. And like, and so we got to, and, and then the guests were the ones who were voting. It was really cool. That was fun. And then the next year we did it again, but we did it as like your favorite band. Whatever that band was, it could have been B-52s, it could have been Michael Jackson, it didn't matter. And it was just so much fun. So that was a cool thing that we just did. Yeah, a gala's gala is a gala, but at least we tried to make it somewhat fun. So, and that didn't cost us any money, right? So, oh, and you know what we did for the movies? Here's what we did. We had each table bring the DVD of the movie that they did on their table. And those were the gifts. So of the 30 tables that we had, there were 30 DVDs. And that oh, was so, so cute! cute. Yeah. You're so creative,
2: Matt. See, you you should have been in marketing.
0: Yes, marketing. I do like to be like no. <laughs> no, no, thank you. So here's what I've learned, Laurel, that I want I want people to remember from our podcast. Number one, uh, events are going to come back, and like, let's please not do rubber because we don't want those chickens to give their <laughs> lives to yes, Those poor chickens. Those poor chickens. <laughs> so when we're thinking about events, a you have to really think a hundred bucks ahead, but also you gotta do something fun. There's gotta be something there that like really you get. It's not just raising the money, but it's using that event to actually get something out of it for the next year, two, three years, whatever it is, right? And it takes a good 12 months to plan, not three months. For That's sure. 100.
2: Well, it depends on the size of the event. So like tell if you're doing an event for a hundred people, it's a very different event
0: than you're doing for a thousand. Sure. But you should at least, there has to be some kind of planning. Like you can't just like be like, oh, in a week from now, I'm going to put this event on. Number two, marketing, make a budget. Like make a nice size line item in your budget, period.
2: Like you have a budget for your life. Why wouldn't you have a budget for your market? Like I don't understand. You have an operating budget. This should be a very serious and specific line item.
0: Why? Right. Right. It hurts my soul. All right. You tell me, Laura, what's our third one that we got out of today?
2: Um, the third one is, is that you can have fun with all of this stuff. Like you don't have to take it so seriously. The work that we do, whether it be for-profit or nonprofit is important work. And you have the choice whether to take this seriously or have fun with it and enjoy the process. And I don't think that marketing has to be such a amorphous, fearful, anxiety producing process.
0: Actually, then I'm going to follow up on that question, right? On, On what you just said. I'm, again, I'm, so I'm running a domestic violence shelter, okay? And you said I have fun with marketing, <laughs> So right? So I'm pushing back on this, just for a second, because I think this is something that people are gonna think, right? If I'm running a, a domestic violence shelter and I wanna have fun with marketing, or at least, you know, what does that look like?
2: Well, uh, you're completely right that the, the causes that you're supporting are serious causes. And so for that reason, having an understanding and a clear tone of voice Uh, Messaging and positioning um, and how you speak to your audience on the different channels is really important. That's how the brand is represented. But as you as an individual within the organization can lighten the entire experience and make driving towards your end goals much more enjoyable if you don't take yourself too seriously. So it's not about not taking the work seriously. It's about understanding that everyone is learning that this is all a process, that there's evolution that happens for all of us on a daily basis. And, um, and that's how you should really live your life. Uh, yeah. I got very like meta on that one.
0: No, I think that's amazing. <laughs> I, I think that's, first of all, I love that. I think that's amazing. I have learned in this podcast, by the way, and doing all these that I say, I love that a lot. I'm trying not to say. I, I do too.
2: That. I do too. It's, it's, it's hard. That.
0: So my last question, when it comes to marketing and events and PR and all of that good stuff, right? We live in LA. This is a huge city. What if I live in Bozeman, Montana? How is it different?
2: Um, I would say that that's actually, it actually kind of makes it easier because your community is so much smaller, right? In LA, everyone's fighting for the same dollar and there's so many nonprofits that do very similar work that are looking to target that same donor. I would think in a place like Bozeman, that's very much more community driven and there's just frankly a lot more land. So it's more spread out that building a community to do this and to support you and an organization that you, um, uh, you know, or driving towards would be easier, I would think.
0: Okay. So my last, last, last question for you is, if I am interested in joining a nonprofit board, why should I join the board?
2: Ooh, um, it's the right thing to do, first of all. Giving back is something that was taught to me at a very young age. My mom's a teacher and I live a very blessed life. I'm not going to lie. And so for me, it's non-negotiable. That is a part of my life and will be forever. And I believe that we as corporate citizens have to really just do the work, right? And that is day-to-day effort and and support on at least one nonprofit board. Um, Also, it's great for networking. I mean, that's the other side of it, right? There's the social good side, which I think is really important. There's also, there's great networking. Um, I've had a lot of opportunities that have come around from meeting people who all have the same mission you know, on a nonprofit. Um, and as a woman in uh, corporate America, my goal is to eventually get on uh, more public boards and help more companies uh, make change from the inside out. And so you kind of have to start at the nonprofit level if you're going to work your way into for-profit and public companies. Um, so it's a combination of all three of those things. Uh, I know it sounds a bit calculated, but it's, it's an important stepping stone and it's just the right thing to do.
0: No, I think that's really important for for people to think about when you're thinking about a board, when you're thinking about volunteering, yes, it's about giving back and it's about the good and it's about all of that. But it can be used for also, you know, growing your business or getting to know more people or whatever, even meeting your husband or wife. Like, I got to tell you, there's quite a few people that I know who met their partners on boards. I'm sure. Anything is possible. Right. Well, I feel like that's what people got out of this. Is like, nothing else, like, and, and your development department and your marketing department have to play. Like they have to play together because it's not, it's not going to work. So I'm going to make a really
2: serious offer, which is if any nonprofits are listening and they want to understand their digital marketing better, we will host an hour session for you totally free with me and one other of my team members to really draw out and help you understand how to define your marketing goals, your budget, and what all of the different avenues of digital really look like. This is my gift to the nonprofit world. We do discounted rates for most nonprofits, as you know, but I wanna offer your audience the opportunity to do this mind map session so we can get them out of their own way and hopefully give them some real tips and steps that they can actually act on.
0: Wow, well, first of all, thank you on behalf of nonprofits, but also thank you for me because now I get to like tweet that shit. I get to put it on like all of my socials. Ashley has work to do now, but also (laughs) you really get to actually like make an impact. I thank you for that. We will make that happen. Um, I think that's really important. So thank you for that.
2: You know, I take it very seriously. You know, I sit on, like I said, a lot of boards, uh, Network for Teaching Entrepreneurship, shout out for them. I always have to give some love to that organization. And this is another way for me to give give forward pay it forward so thank you matt for giving me the opportunity i really appreciate
0: it you are like beyond spectacular what you do we wouldn't have had you on and honestly you wouldn't have been the first non not nonprofit person oh i'm um, the absolute first you are the first not nonprofit person on this show. Oh my gosh, I'm so honored. Yeah, I know. And you wouldn't have been if you weren't amazing. So I want to be really clear about that. If you guys are looking for marketing, if you're looking for events, if you're looking for PR, if you're looking for social, if you're looking for anything to get your brand out there and to elevate your brand, there you go, Laurel. Hey absolutely reach out to Laurel. Also, I do want people to know you are a JD. Like you actually like are a practicing lawyer, which scares yeah, me. Yeah, I'm a
2: JD MBA actually.
0: Oh scares me, scares me. I know. Alphabet soup. Way too smart for me. And so honestly, okay, where can people find you?
2: You can find us at elevatemybrand.com. Our podcast is on all of the platforms, Apple Music, Spotify, et cetera. Uh, you can find us on all the social channels at Elevate My Brand LA, or you can find me personally at Laurel J. Mintz.
0: And Mintz is spelled...
2: M I N T Z. And that's like, my, sorry, that's Twitter at Laurel Mintz on Instagram, which is a top for my favor. So follow me there.
0: Elevate my brand. I love everything about it. I love everything about you. Is there anything left that we should be, you know, sharing with the audience that you want people to know before I let you go for the day?
2: Um, well, please do go to elevatemybrand.com. There is a free marketing guide. So you can kind of DIY when, if you're not ready to work with an agency, uh, it's a really great step-by-step, um, process, uh, with a great drip campaign, which you should also do. Um, and then we've got a, uh, paid webinar series, like a whole program that we're launching really soon. So I hope that you'll share that with your audience.
0: Um, and then I just, I, I adore you. Laurel, you're one of my favorites. Thank you very much for being my first non- nonprofit executive on the show and here's my goal i'm putting this out there here is my goal you get three thousand downloads a month i would be happy with like 500 downloads a month maybe even a thousand downloads a month so i'm putting it out there you're the reason why i have my first advertisement now let's like put it out there that we're going to have a ton of downloads so yes. Matt, oops, my friend thank you very very much and uh i look forward to seeing you at a not Rubber Chicken Gala. Those, poor, those chickens. poor chickens. Thank you, Laurel. Hey, Ashley. Hey, Matt. So what'd you think of my friend Laurel?
1: The poor chickens, Matt. Mm. Nobody really thinks about the chickens that had to die for all of the awful gala dinners that people just routinely throw. And I'm just so glad that I feel like you and Laurel have done your part to save the chickens.
0: So at the beginning of the show, we talked about, you know, intonation and, and I'd like to know, are you being serious or maybe a little facetious, if you will?
1: I mean, I mean, there might be an element of facetiousness here, but in truth, are we not potentially saving the lives of chickens by this episode, which is going to encourage people to go beyond the rubber chicken dinner? Hmm?
0: I want to also tell you a secret. Can I tell you a secret? Can I tell you a secret? Please. So when I took the SAT and the SAT was 125 years ago when we did it with pencils, I don't know, you're my age, right? We did yeah. it with pencils. No, we definitely bubbles. use, hmm?
1: yeah. Hmm. And we'd have to get up and go sharpen them. And... Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so here's the thing. I was taking a break with my friend, Melissa Karp and we were outside and we were talking about the test. And I remember asking her, hey, like, what is fascistness? What is facet- facetiousness? I don't know what that word is. And she was like, you mean facetious? And I was like, oh my God, I'm such an idiot. So I'm going to tell you a secret that only you're going to know. I went back. And the nice thing about having a pencil was that I was able to erase the answer that I put for that number. And I put in the correct answer. And then I got an additional 10 points on my SAT.
1: So the two things I take away from that are, one, why wasn't there better security during your taking of the standardized testing in which it was pencils, not like some computer thing where you like locked and loaded the answers because clearly that lends itself to people comparing answers and going back and doing just exactly what you did. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: there's like a whole slew of people from Beverly Hills in the 90s, dare I say, that have these completely inaccurate test results because of the way that tests were clearly proctored or not proctored for you. Uh, so that's, that's takeaway number one. Takeaway number two is, for a very long time in your life, you may have conflated or confused facetiousness with fascism. Is that, is that accurate?
0: That's an accurate observation. And what I want to say is, this is a secret, so that nobody needs to know that I did get into UCLA, probably by cheating.
1: <laughs> Either that or... You very facetiously called them fascists, but I'm not exactly sure how that would have helped your case.
0: So if you're listening, which she's not, to my friend Melissa Carp, thank you. Thank you for telling me what facetious is so that I was able to get those extra 10 points on my SAT.
1: Well, I think it's important that we remind the listener, any who's still with us, mom. Who, by the way, thank you, mom. Not Melissa
0: Carp. Not Melissa. Karp, not not
1: Melissa. <laughs> The listener who is definitely not Melissa Carp is probably my mom that Laurel has so very generously offered to have a free consultation with any of our listeners who seek out her counsel with Elevate My Brand. And that is truly outstanding. And if you've gotten this far into the episode, um, hopefully you are now like 100% in camp Laurel and recognize the true value of this gift.
0: Yeah. It's a huge, 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 huge gift that she's giving you. So I definitely hope that you do reach out. She's awesome. I adore her. And not only that, by the way, but if you follow her on Instagram, she has got some spectacular fashion sense as well. Like I, I just, I just like to watch her, you know, walk in her shoes and put on her jewelry. So,
1: you know, Matt, I was just embarrassed for you on the episode and I cut it out, but the part where you complimented her on her fascism sense.
0: Yes. Yes, her fascism sense. Thank you. Thank you. Again, Ashley, that was our secret. That was our secret. So uh, we're into season three. And do you want to tell our listener who's next?
1: Yes, we are really excited that we are finally able to circle back and get out our episode with the fabulous Elisa Barrett of the Western Justice Center. If ever there was a time where we needed the Western Justice Center, it is now. This is a educational center devoted to teaching people conflict resolution skills. So I'm just saying, quite a timely episode and Elise is amazing.
0: Is it timely, Ashley, because of the fact that you have zero confidence in this show and that maybe, just maybe, we're in a fight right now?
1: Um. Yes, and I am seeking Elise's counsel on how I can be better at resolving this conflict with you, Matt.
0: Good luck to you. Good luck to you, Ashley.